What an honor it is to be here at Oasis LA. Come on, one of the greatest churches in the world. And I just, I love your, your pastors. I got to sit with them in Hawaii. Julian and Christina were sitting right, right beside us having coffee one morning. And uh, I knew that they were, they were a man and woman of God. Just, you can tell by their coffee choice. And what a beautiful couple. And we've, we've loved the founders of Oasis and your amazing uh, pastors who are two of the most beautiful people, Phil and Holly Wagner. And uh, come on, yeah, it's such an honor to be with you guys. Do you mind if it's okay if I just pray for you guys for a minute? Would you just stand up for a second? Would you stretch your hands out towards this magnificent couple? Father, I just thank you for fresh oil. Fresh oil, fresh oil. That's what I heard from heaven. And, and uh, God, is, God is a God that created seasons. The reason He created seasons was so that we can catch our breaths. The problem with humans is we don't like seasons. So we've invented stuff like air conditioning and lighting and all kinds of stuff so we can kind of fake that every day is summer. But not every day is, is meant to be bringing in the harvest. There are, there are different seasons. And God has oil for, for different seasons. And I see you stepping into a beautiful new season. But I, I felt the Lord tell me to say that, that he is going to be visiting you both with beautiful, fresh oil. And there's going to be an effortless. And, and there's, all, there's not an apprehension, but there's almost a hesitation for some of the things that God is showing and was showing and wants to show because you know that in the previous season, the labor and the toil and the pain and the price that it took to get to where you're at today, but the Lord would say, this next season is not. That, 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 that was the school fees, that was the college fees, that was the tuition, that is done. This next season, there is an oil and a flow. And uh, beautiful Holly, as I was standing next to you, I saw you directing and I saw you with scripts. And, uh, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then, I, you know, and then I remembered, obviously, that had some of your background. But I see, I literally saw in the language of this generation, which is movie and short film and all that, I saw you directing films that, that would generate moves of God and generate, literally break the back of oppression and injustice and bring liberty and freedom and, and communicate. You're an extraordinary communicator, but would, would, would communicate biblical truths. And it's like you're going to be like stepping into, and I also saw you writing. I know you're already a magnificent author, but I saw just this flow, just this creative flow. And your best years and most fruitful years were not behind you. They're still in front of you, still in front of you. And I, saw, and I just saw, I saw harvest, harvest, harvest. And then um, Pastor Phil, I just saw, I saw the anointing flow over you. And I saw that anointing. And I know that it's in your heart to help the emerging emerging men and women of God. And the Lord would say to you, you don't just have wisdom to impart and you don't just have skill to impart, but there's gonna be a supernatural edge. And, and I felt the, the, the Lord say that, uh, you know, I anointed Moses when he was 80 and you don't have to wait till then. <laughs> but, but I literally see that, that Moses for four, between 40 and 80 had, had a shepherd's staff that he just looked after sheep. And I saw as he threw it down to God, and that's symbolic of what happened in, on, on October 13, there was, a, there was a, a releasing of that season. But what you picked up was no longer the shepherd, 
staff of the pastorate. But it was now, from that moment it changed and became the rod of God. And the Lord would, would, wanted me to tell you that there's a new authority that is coming upon you. There's a new authority and there's a new mantle with deliverance, with breakthrough, with healing. And the, what the world medicates, you're, you're, going to, you're going to bring breakthrough and deliverance in. And, uh, and there's gonna be, it's almost like a, a breath, like a wind behind your words. The next thing that I saw over both of you is, and I hope I'm not uncovering too much, but, but because both of you have wrestled and overcome uh, infirmity that takes a lot of people out. You've both wrestled, and in both of those seasons, there was a, there was a, 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 a very human and very proper cry, God, where are you in this? Are you with me? And you found that he wasn't just a God who observed the storm, but he's a God who travels with the storm. Sometimes it feels like he's asleep on the pillow in the storm. And we're like, okay, God, you could, and, but, but you, you walk through that. And again, that was a deposit and a price paid for this next season. And you're both going to say, and the Lord would say, do not be afraid. To him who overcomes, more will be given. And because you've overcome, you're gonna have an anointing to literally break, it's gonna be, it's gonna be almost a phenomenon, the amount of people who have cancer who get healed because you lay hands on them. What the devil assigned to take you out. The very sword Goliath was sharpening in the morning to take down an Israelite was the very sword the Israelite David removed from the sheath to remove his head. The very thing that the enemy sharpened against you is the very thing that God's son and daughter is gonna use. And I just see just the most amazing miracles. There are times you're gonna pray and you're gonna say, did you feel anything? I didn't feel anything. And the tumor's gone. And, and it's almost like, it's gonna be like that. There's just, it's an end. And it's obviously it's God and you know it's God. But, and you're just magnificent people. And I just see incredible blessing. I just see even just this incredible favor over your family, favor over your kids, unprecedented. And, uh, and just a, a great season of prosperity, blessing and rest coming, almost effortless. Effortless is the word that keeps coming to me. So just love you guys. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are amazing. Amazing. All right. Julian and Christina, would you guys stand? Let me pray for you guys. And uh, I know that, I know that your, your name is Julian and that's what it says on there. But the, word, the, the name that God calls you is Joshua. And a Joshua, a Joshua is, he's not somebody who comes alongside Moses is actually somebody that comes out of Moses. Uh, God always reveals to one but fulfills in another. God reveals to Simon but fulfills in Peter. God reveals to Saul but fulfills in Paul. God reveals to Jacob but fulfills in Israel. God reveals to Moses and fulfills in Joshua. And I saw, it was on display tonight, the beautiful apostolic mantle on you both. And uh, Moses got them out of bondage and he got them out of oppression. He got them out of injustice and he got them out of struggle and he got them out of slavery. But Joshua got them into the promise and got, Joshua got them into their destiny. God got them, Joshua got them into the promises of God. And I see the, the anointing on you. There's an apostolic anointing. There is a breakthrough anointing. There's almost no, no, no limit. And the Lord would say that you will even face you know, what other people say, that's a wall or that's a ceiling or that's, hey, that's just, that's just LA, that's just the city, that's just, and, and the Lord would say, you don't take any of those things. 
the first thing Joshua encountered was an impregnable wall. And God said, just march around it and you give me praise because the anointing on you is greater than the engineering that is in the wall. And I saw you bringing it down and then I saw you, beautiful Christina, and there's a, there's a beautiful yin and yang. There's a beautiful interplay between you. And God brought you together and uh, there's, 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 uh, there's just a, a sweetness and a balance because to break through, sometimes the, the, the breakthrough anointing can, can be all about the breakthrough and all about that, but, but we can lose people on the way. But there's this, there's this shepherd, there's this pastoral, there's this people feel loved and people feel brought on the journey and no one's gonna fall off the wagon. And I just saw you know, momentum increasing, increasing to the point where we gotta get some more buildings, we gotta get some more venues around here because we can't fit everybody in and we can't, and I just literally saw a city being impacted. I saw everything beginning to shift and change, even them consulting you for legislation and, and wanting to bring you into how do we deal with the homeless and how do we deal with the drug addiction and how do we deal with this and how do we deal with that. Just lift your hands high to heaven. Father, I thank you right now for fresh oil and fresh anointing. Fresh oil, fresh anointing, fresh favor. And again, the same thing from October 13, you stepped into a new role. But the Lord would say, you know, this night, know that there is, there is a new anointing, there is a new oil that is flowing over your life for this next season. Apostle, apostle, breakthrough, apostolic, Julian, you are Joshua. Christina, there's a Joshua anointing. What God loved about Joshua. Caleb was, was the successor on paper. Caleb was the Bible college dean favorite. He was the preacher. He was the gifted guy. But the gig went to Joshua, not Caleb. Because Caleb, uh, Joshua lingered in the presence of God. Joshua was known as the servant of Moses. Caleb was the gifted guy. But Joshua was the servant, and because of that servant heart, he, God can trust with great authority someone with a heart that serves. And that's what's over both of you. Father, we thank you for favor on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, I know that God loves you, just the leaders that he's given you. Beautiful Elise Murphy. Can I pray for you, sweetheart? Just, just stand up, just lift your hands high. I, I heard the word of the Lord came to me on the front row and it was the word restitution. And I'd love to tell you I'm that smart. German was my first language, so, ach du liebe, ich weiß nicht was, es ist in English. Uh, but my first language was German. And so I had to look up what restit restitution means. I know what, I know what uh, reconciliation or restoration means, but I didn't know what restitution means. And, uh, and I felt the Lord say that, that the word for you is restitution. One of the meanings of restitution is recompense, which, which means that, uh, that you're gonna be recompensed for injury or loss. And restitution means that everything that's been stripped and everything's gonna be taken as though it had never, never taken place, God is going to restore, but within with healing, with everything. And there's just great favor on you, sweetheart. And God loves you. And you're, he's gonna show you just how good he is. But there's, it's, it's not gonna be a restoration and it's not gonna be, it's gonna be restitution. It's gonna be restitution. There's gonna be a compensation and a blessing and a favor. And you're gonna say, oh my God, this, this is so much better than I could never, God is good. He loves you. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Well, what a privilege to speak to you. I know that you are God's favorite people. How many people know that the best looking people live right here in LA, in Los Angeles? It is an absolute fact. And I want you to come with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms. I love the book of Psalms because it's spelt with a P. So it's P Psalms. But we don't, it's, it's like a silent P, which is hard in the middle of the night, but that's a really bad joke. Um, but my name is Jurgen with a J. So that's why I like Psalms, because when you look at my name the way it's spelled, it looks like Jurgen, but it's not, it's Jurgen, which is really messed up when I go to Starbucks. Because they're like, what's your name? I'm like, uh, Jurgen, Burger? No, J-U-R-O, Jurgen? No, so it's horrible. But come with me to Psalm 78. The title of my message tonight is Unlimited. Unlimited, it'll make sense in a second. Psalm 78, we're gonna read from verse 38, I believe, yep. Psalm 78, 38, if I can find it, there it is. But he, speaking about God, being full of compassion, I'm gonna say full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned away his anger. He did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a breath that passes away and does not come again. Verse 40, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Verse 41, yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember His power the day when He brought them up out of Egypt and redeemed them from the enemy, worked His signs in Egypt, His wonders in the field of Zoan, turned their rivers into blood, streams into the desert, going to drink, and it goes on. Tonight I wanna to talk to you about unlimited. 2020, a year of perfect vision. This is gonna be an extraordinary year. And if you said to me, hey, pastor, what's, what's the word of the Lord for me? I would tell you this year, God wants to take you into unlimited. This year, God wants to, to, to remove the ceilings. This year, God wants to remove the restraints. This year, God wants you to break free. This year, God wants you to step into a dimension and an experience of Him like you've never had before. So the title of this message tonight is Unlimited. Just bump two or three people and say, get ready to get unlimited. Get ready to get unlimited. Now, if we can just maybe focus on, on verse 41 again, if we can put 41 up again, it says, yes, again and again, they tempted God, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. When I was in Bible school, we learned three things about God, three things about God's character, about God's nature. The first thing that we learn about God is that God is omnipotent, omnipotent. Omnipotent means that God is all powerful. God, God, God is not phased by anything. God is not intimidated, He is not bullied, He is all powerful. There's no devil in hell, there's no hordes of hell, there's no demons, there's, there's nothing that, that frightens Him, there's nothing that, that, that intimidates Him, He is God Almighty, He is omnipotent. The second thing that we learn about God is God is omniscient, omniscient, God is all-knowing. There is no problem that God cannot solve. God is, God, God is not vexed by any enigma, there is, there is no puzzle, there is no riddle that is beyond his grasp, beyond his understanding. There is nothing that you're going through that, that, that God doesn't understand. The Bible says he knows you're rising up and he knows you're lying down. He knows your thoughts from afar, even before you think them. God, God is omniscient. The third thing that we learn about God is that God is omnipresent that God is not limited. You and I are limited to time and space. God is not limited to neither time, space, nor geography. God lives outside of time. God created time. Everything that God created is a trinity. 
Everything God created bears His image and His likeness. God created man, you are body, soul, and spirit, you're a trinity. God created color, the three primary colors, trinity. God created space, height, depth, breadth, trinity. God created time, trinity, past, present, future. Everything God created, everything God created is, has His signature. God, God, everything He created, He rules over. He rules over time. He's in your past. Thank God He's in your past. He's, he's doing some mopping. He's right now working in your present and he's already in your future outlaying. The Bible says a good man's steps are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. God's got good things for you. What does my future look like? Well, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're good plans, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. He's already in your future working, but he's in your present right now. And, and so you need to understand that God is not limited by time, space, or geography. God is awesome. So, so we learn that God is an unlimited God, and yet, yet the Bible says here that the children of Israel somehow managed to limit an unlimited God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to heaven and have a Homer Simpson don't moment <laughs> where I limited an unlimited God. So let me just show you three ways that I believe the Scripture shows us that the children of Israel limited God that I believe that we can Learn from this so we don't limit God. Anybody not want to limit God in 2020? Anybody want to step into the unlimited? All right, put on your seatbelt, get ready. The first area that I believe that we limit God is we limit God by what we see. We limit God by what we see. How many people know that God put your eyes in the front of your head? Anybody? The rest of you, you'll notice your eyes are in the front. A lot of, a lot of people, even though their eyes are in the front of their head, they, they have what I call a rowboat Christianity. They're heading this way, but they're looking back. They're looking back on a failure. They're looking back on a problem. They're looking back on an abuse. They're looking back on a, they're looking back. But, but, but God put your eyes in the front of your head because you're meant to be forward looking. You're meant to be looking forward. It's called vision. It's 2020, the year of vision. You've got to make a decision. The apostle Paul said there's one thing. Now, when the architect of the New Testament, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, when the architect of the New Testament church writes, one thing I do, I want to know what that one thing is. Uh, to, to me, one thing's really helpful because I forget three things. But one thing, I can remember one thing. One thing I do, forgetting. Forgetting what is behind me. I press forward to lay hold of that which has laid hold of me. Vision, vision is, is a God thing. God gives vision. God wants you to be looking forward. I, I love my, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is in Genesis 15. Genesis 15, God visits Abram. And it's, it's, just, it's just magnificent. It's just, it's just an awesome story. The Bible says, that, and the Lord visited Abram. And I just love God because he doesn't, he doesn't you know, send a, like a telegram. He doesn't drop an email or on his phone. Abraham, I'm, he doesn't, he just, he just, just turns up just because he's God. He doesn't need an invitation. He just, and there he is. And the Bible says that, and it came to pass that the Lord visited Abraham. And he says, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. You're exceedingly great reward. You're welcome. I mean, can you imagine the great God of the galaxies, the great God of the cosmos, just, appears on your doorstep and says, here I am, rock you like it. No, he didn't say that. He says, here I am, I'm all yours, baby. 
this is better than finding a genie in a bottle that you gotta rub the right way. This is the almighty God. He appears to Abraham, he says, Abraham, here I am. You're exceedingly great reward, you're welcome. Abraham's response is crazy. Un poquito loco. Abraham says to God, so what? I mean, just as well God's got a healthy self-image. Can you imagine you gift wrap yourself like I wanna do every year at Christmas for my wife? I can't think of a better gift. She can. There are shoes that are apparently better than that anyway. And so God appears to Abraham and says, here I am, you're exceedingly great reward. And Abraham goes, so what? What's the point of all this blessing? Look, you haven't given me a son. Now, he's a little bit stressed. <laughs> but how many people know you're gonna be in big trouble when you're trying to tell God to look? So just let me give you some context. The Bible says that God, not even the heavens can contain Him, that He, he fills everything. God doesn't live in the cosmos, the cosmos lives in Him, He is so big. And, and Abraham on earth is trying to tell God, yeah, you, you need to look. It's a little bit like this, look, Gabriel, I, I could have sworn I heard a little squeak. And Gabriel's like, oh, um, Lord, I, I, I thought I heard something too. Shall I Google Earth the universe? Yes, yes, go ahead, Gabriel. Look, there it is again, Gabriel. Oh, yes, I, I heard it too that time, Lord. I believe it came from the one, two, I believe it came from the third rock from the sun. Hmm. Third rock from the sun. Ah, planet Earth, my favorite planet. Google Earth it a little bit more, Gabriel. Look, there it is again. I believe it came from the area on planet Earth known as Mesopotamia. Hmm, Mesopotamia. Now, how many people know it right there? He sounds like, hmm, Simba. I just don't know how, I just don't know how to do another God voice. I just think that... Simba, everything the light touches. I just think, <laughs> it just sounds like, anyway. <laughs> Google Earth it a little bit more. <laughs> Look, there it is again. I believe it came from the air of the, air of the Chaldeans. Ah, Abraham's down there. I wonder if, I'll go and see. Now, how does God get into Abraham's tent? to look. So God says, I've got a better idea. Because if you read Genesis 15, God instead reaches into Abraham's tent and says to Abraham, get out of your tent, <laughs> lift up your eyes and begin to count the stars if you are able. Because more will your descendants be than the stars in the sky and the sand on your seashore. Watch this. 
Abraham wanted God to look at what he didn't have. This is what we do when we feel that life has been unfair or life has been cruel. God, look at what my boss did. God, look at where I grew up. God, look at, at, at how I got turned down from that job or how I got turned down from that loan. God, look at my broken heart. God, look at what you haven't done. God, look at the injustice. God, look at how cruel. God, look at how unfair. But God knows that you don't get a breakthrough from Him looking at what you don't God. So God says, I'm going to do something different. I'm actually going to get you out from under your ceiling. I'm going to get you out from under your commiserating tent. I'm going to get you out of that place and I'm going to give you a vision. A vision in the night, stars in the sky, a vision during the day, sand on the seashore, because before I can change what, in, what is in Sarah's womb, I have to change what's in your vision. I have to change what is in your vision. Nothing shifts until you see it. The devil knows this. The devil knows this, so he wants you to see hopelessness. He wants you to see bleakness. He wants you to believe the lies that have been pumped out at you. Oh, LA's too expensive to get a home. You can't buy a home here. It's so expensive, isn't it? It's terrible for young people, isn't it? Young people can't buy homes. They've got to move out. They've got to move to Madagascar. They've got to move to... Don't let the world, don't let the naysayers, don't let the unbelievers tell you what your God can and can't do. We limit God by what we see. We limit God by what we see. The second thing is we limit God by what we say. We limit God by what we say. See, 12 spies cross the Jordan River. They cross the Jordan River, they go into the promised land. Then the 12 spies come back. Two of them are carrying grapes on their shoulders, one cluster of grapes between the two of them. They get back and 10 of them have a negative report. 10 of them say, yeah, 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 we did cross. Yes, 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 we, cro yes, we crossed. We crossed the Jordan. Yes, yes, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. However... cities were fortified, the people were numerous, and it was a land that devoured its inhabitants. Hang on, wait, wait, wait. What was that again? The cities were fortified, the people were numerous, and it was a land that devoured its inhabitants. Well, which one was it? What do you mean? Well, either it's a land that devours its inhabitants, or the people were numerous. It can't be. <laughs> Shut up. We're making excuses. It was a land that the people were numerous and it was a land that devoured its inhabitants. Moreover, we saw the sons of Anak there, giants. We were like grasshoppers in our side. We were like grasshoppers in their side. We're not able to take it. And the Bible says all the people tore their clothes and wept. Now, how many people know, how many people know that there was no interview with the giants? There was no, it was not that way. Excuse me, excuse me, Mr. Giant. Could, could we have a moment? Who are we? We're spa, spa, tourists. That's who we are. Just, we're a touring band. What do we play? The harmonica. Anyway, oh, you are tall. Um, and you've got hairy nostrils. But anyway, um, look, when you look at us, what, what you know, creature comes to mind? 
filthy little rodents. Okay, what about, okay, that's good, but what about something from the insect world? <laughs> Dirty little cockroaches. Okay, much better. What about something that can fly? Grasshoppers, that's the one we were going for. Bing, bing, bing. Survey says. I mean, how many people know there was no interview? There was no interview. They saw themselves as grasshoppers because the grasshopper in Hebrew is part of the locust family. And the locusts were seen as a blight that came in and consumed a harvest that did not belong to them. They, they, they had been slaves for 400 years when they crossed into God's promised land and they saw the cities and they saw the vineyards and they saw the orchards and they saw the fields and they saw the wheat and they saw the barley, they saw themselves as grasshoppers coming in, entering into a harvest that they did not sow. God said to them, you'll drink from vineyards you did not plant, you'll eat from orchards you, but it was too much for them because they still had a slave mindset, they saw themselves as disqualified. Can I tell you this year, God wants to take you in unlimited, but He has to change what you see. Thank God for two spies, Joshua and Caleb, because Joshua and Caleb says, what are you guys talking about? Their protection has departed from them. They are our bread. They are our food. Let us go up at once. We are well able to take it. Now, who was right, the 10 or the two? It was a trick question. All 12. All 12 were right. The 10 that said it couldn't be done, 100% correct. They died this side of the Jordan River. They never crossed the Jordan River. And they never sacked the, the cities. They never took Jericho. They never took, they died in the wilderness. But the two, Joshua and Caleb, they were also 100% correct. They crossed the Jordan. They took Jericho. They took Jebus. They took Ai. They took city after city. They entered into the promise. So at the end of the day, whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, ultimately you'll be right. Can I just tell you, in 2020, God wants to change your vision. He wants to change the way that you see. He says to Joshua, first lesson, Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. Because when Joshua looked at Jericho, that's not what he saw. He saw what everybody else saw. He saw a city that for the last 40 years, the king of Jericho hired the greatest architects. He hired the greatest construction team to fortify a city so that this nation that God was giving the promised land to would have to go around the city, the finest engineering of the day. And Joshua didn't need a wrecking ball. Joshua didn't need a cannon. All he had to do was march around the city and shout the praise of God and the walls came down because when God has promised something, there's no power in hell. There's no devil, there's no obstruction, there's no demonic force that can keep you out. Can somebody say amen? But God said to Joshua, Joshua, you need to see I've given Jericho into your hand. Everybody else is gonna see impregnable. Everyone else is gonna see impossible. But the job of a leader is to see. God says the job of the, of the, the, the apostle, of the leader is to see. If you're gonna break through this year, you gotta see. You've gotta see differently. And then you've gotta speak differently. You, you, there's gotta be, it's not just what you see, it's what you say. See, 10 spies said it couldn't be done, they were right. Two spies said it can be done, and they were also right. Uh, how many people know that, that as human beings, we are not, we are not stronger than, than like a, a lion or a cheetah? Well, I, I couldn't wrestle a bull elephant to the ground. Pinch again. 
I couldn't flip a rhino. I can't, I can't outrun a gazelle. And yet, and yet man rules over the animal kingdom. Almost all the animals are larger, faster, stronger, more fierce. And yet man rules over the animal kingdom. Why, why, why does man rule over? Because the Bible says on the sixth day of creation, God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. If you study uh, languages, I love languages. If you study languages and you study the formation of languages, you, you'll understand that the ancient Chinese is one of the oldest languages, is one of the most unbroken languages. Uh, 4,800 years of unbroken history. Their entire language, every caricature is developed from a knowledge of Genesis 1 to 11. This is even more remarkable because they had a record of Genesis 1 to 11 900 years before Moses wrote Genesis 1 to 11. The, 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 the image for man is a mouth, is a mouth. Whenever you see, it's a square, it's a mouth. So the symbol for man is mouth. God created man in his image. And God, is, God reveals himself as a speaking God. God is a speaking God. Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, says, when you pray, say, say. When you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How, how does God's will happen on earth as it is in heaven? God created man in his image and his likeness. God created man in his image and his likeness. God created man with a mouth because for God's will to come to pass, God's word needs an amen. For God's word and God's will to come to pass, you need to understand that what, whatever God words, he wills, and whatever God wills, he words. If you wanna know God's will, it's in his word. God doesn't word something he doesn't will, and God doesn't will something he doesn't word. The devil does not want you to understand that your mouth is the gateway. Let me help you. Jesus is standing on a, on a platform. He's moments away from being crucified. Pontius Pilate is standing over here and he receives a letter and he reads the letter, it's from his wife. And his wife says, have nothing to do with this man. I've suffered incredible things in a dream because of him. He's executed a lot of people, but he's never had his wife suffer things in a dream about somebody, there's something supernatural. So he comes over and the Bible says that Pontius Pilate marveled that all the people were making accusations against Jesus. And he says, don't you hear these accusations? Sayest thou nothing? Do you not realize this day I decide whether you live or whether you die? And Jesus says, you would have no authority over me unless it was given to you from above. Nevertheless, if my kingdom was of this world, my servants would fight for my deliverance, but my kingdom is not of this world. Pilatus looks at him and says, my God, you are a king then. Jesus does not say, bingo. <laughs> Correct answer. Jesus says, watch this. Jesus says, it is as you say. See, here's a frightening truth. Jesus knowing who he is doesn't save you. Jesus knows who he is. The Bible says in Romans 10 verse nine, whoever 
believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead will be saved. For with the heart one believes, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What God is looking for is an amen in the earth. Make a decision in 2020. I'm not going to let the devil have my amen anymore. Now, sometimes we amen, yeah, but you don't understand what the doctors have said. Or you don't understand what the economists have said. Hey, have you seen the prices in LA? You know, this is what they said. You know, they said that I wouldn't... Make a decision, your amen is way too important. I'm not gonna give my amen to any man. I'm not gonna give my amen to any limiter, any naysayer, any, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna reserve my, I'm gonna move my amen to with God all things are possible, amen. By his stripes I am healed, amen. That my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, amen. That God has made me the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath. That God has blessed me in the city, God has blessed me in the country, God has blessed me going in, blessed, amen. Put your amen with God. Make a decision this year. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's word is executed. Here on earth, God is looking for an amen. If you can move your amen. 10 spies said it couldn't be done. Two said it could. Two put their amen with God. Move your amen. Let let it be as you say. Let it be as you say. Jesus cursed the fig tree. And, and the disciple marveled, look, there's a fig tree. But if you read it, he didn't say, I curse thee in, well, in my name, I guess. I mean, <laughs> he just said, let no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the next day was shriveled up from the roots. How often we said, man, I'm never gonna get that job. Man, I'm never gonna get ahead. Man, I'm never gonna have any say. Man, oh, that's a lump. Or maybe it's a, how often have we said? Here's, 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 here's another scary truth. You and I are never not prophesying. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Those who love it, it will eat its fruit. We limit God by what we see. We limit God by what we say. And the third one, before I pray, is we limit God by what we believe. Do you know there's one miracle that's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? One miracle that Matthew, I'm writing it, and then Mark says, what are you writing? None of your beeswax. And so Mark's writing it. He's like, hey, are you copying? Jesus, Mark's copying. And then he looks over and Luke's writing it. And they're like, Luke, what are you doing, Mark? And I leave it, write something else. You're a doctor, write something about, you know, medical stuff. And I'm writing this miracle down. You don't need to. What, who's that? That's John. What's he, why are you, are you right? The three of us, are, you don't write something out. No, I'm writing it as well. There's one miracle, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or, or it's the only miracle. Matthew, Mark, does anyone know what it is? I love you. Feeding the 5,000. Feeding the five, five loaves, two fish, 5,000 people. Why would that be the miracle that Matthew says I'm writing it, that Mark says I'm writing it, that Luke says I'm writing it, that John says I'm writing it. We got it already, doesn't matter. All four of us need to put this in here. Why, why, why that miracle? Why not raising Lazarus from the dead? Why not, you know, walking on water? You know, why would, but why, why, why feeding the 5,000? Why, why that miracle? Why that miracle? Because that miracle, is the closest miracle to represent your life and my life. It is the only miracle that describes the human predicament and condition. Let me explain. Jesus has a crowd of 5,000 men. They didn't record the women and children. 
So there's probably 15 to 20,000 people in front of him. With him, there are five loaves and two fish. In other words, the vision before him is greater than the resources with him. The disciples who have been educated by the world's system, by a system of this overpopulation, there's not enough food to go round, we're all going to die, aren't we? They've been trained by a fallen world, said this, Jesus, five loaves and two fish, what are they among so many? Dismiss the crowd. In other words, get rid of the, lower the vision down to your provision. Jesus says, uh, 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 wrong answer. Make him sit down in groups of 50. The disciples are like, he's lost his marbles. But they go and sit him down in groups of 50. The Bible says, Jesus lifting up his eyes and looking up to heaven, what you see. Lifting up his eyes and looking up to heaven. Notice he didn't look down at what he didn't have. He didn't look out at how big the problem was. He lifted his eyes. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. From where comes my, my salvation comes from the Lord. Nothing changes till you lift your vision, till you're looking up. Lifting up his eyes to heaven, he gave thanks. He gave thanks. But why would he give thanks? He's only got five loaves and two fish. Why are they amongst so? He gave thanks because Jesus knew that five loaves and two fish in the natural ain't gonna cut it. He's got 20,000 people, five loaves and two fish. He's not gonna cut it. So Jesus knows I've got to open a gateway. I've got to open a portal to a supernatural kingdom, to a supernatural world. Does anybody know the gate code to get into heaven? Psalm 100 verse four says we enter his gates. God lives in a gated community. <laughs> Psalm 104 says we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his gates with, so I can't get in. It's really simple, thanksgiving. No, I just think I'll whine. No, no, whining is what kept them out of. <laughs> whining is what kept the children of Israel out of. Thanksgiving, it gets them in. Lifting up his eyes to heaven, he gave thanks and he blessed it. The word blessed there is the word eulogio. When we get you Googleized, you're one who speaks at funerals. Sorry, Zoolander, bad, bad joke. Eulogio, when we get the word eulogy, which means to speak well of. How often do we curse what you see, what you say? Start with the spirit of thanksgiving, speak well of. This may not be your dream job. You may be right now just sweeping the floor. You may be right now flipping burgers. You may right now be doing an internship. This is just give thanks for your job. Give thanks for your boss. Give thanks for, just give thanks. Speak well of. Bless what you've got right now. So Jesus blessed it and then he gave it and it multiplied. The Bible says that all ate and were satisfied. All ate and were satisfied. Everybody ate. Now, I heard, a, I heard a, a, an Anglican archbishop say the real miracle on that particular day was that, that everybody saw the young lad give his five loaves and two fish. And the miracle of that day was 
the entire crowd says, oh, no, no, far be it from me that I should indulge, and they passed it all along. People who don't read the Bible say the dumbest things. Because <laughs> the Bible says, all ate and was satisfied. But it gets a little more cray-cray. Because after everybody had eaten and was satisfied, Jesus says to him, now go, collect the basketfuls of leftovers. The disciples are like, leftovers? Are you kidding me? We were hoping there'd be just enough. Watch this. Jesus says, hang on. Let's be real. Can five loaves and two fish feed 20,000 people? Uh, uh, no, no. <laughs> Do you see how some people are having little naps? And others are belching. All have eaten and were satisfied. Does that mean that somebody was involved? Papa was involved. If Papa was involved, I need you to go and collect the basketfuls of leftovers because I need to show you something. I need to re-educate your brain because in just a few months, I'm gonna be departing from here and I need you to carry on my work, but you were limited unless I change your mind to an unlimited mind. Papa was involved, go. The Bible says that they went and they filled 12 basketfuls of leftovers. You can't fit five loaves and two fish into one basket and make it full. They, everybody ate and, and there was 12 baskets full. Now, how many people know that God does nothing by coincidence? How many disciples were there? How many basketfuls were there? If you read your Bible, which I encourage, the next town on this stop was seven miles away. Guess what they had to do with those basketfuls? Carry them for seven miles. Jesus, can we take a break? Jesus, it's heavy. Do you know what the fish and the loaves were doing? Preaching. Explain me. <laughs> I'm not even meant to be here, am I? <sighs> it don't even make sense. The five loaves and two fish, watch this, were telling the disciples, you think God coming through is giving me just enough to pay my rent. Just enough. All I ask is for a, just a roof over me head, a warm bed to sleep in, and enough food. No, 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 no. That's not God. Your God is not a just enough God. Your God is the Ephesians 3.20. He does exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think according to the power at work in you. He does exceedingly, come on somebody, abundantly, above all that you can ask. 